When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Those group stages are in the can. We now know our 16 knockout teams now, don't we? Players will be glad for a rest, viewers maybe not so much. Fear not, we're not resting though. On the rest days of this tournament, we'll be looking back at tournaments gone by. I'm Jake from What Is Football and this is the Euro Daily Podcast episode 19 and today it is a Euro Rewind to the early days of the European Championships, 1960 to 1976. You can find this podcast on Apple, Spotify, Acast and Amazon, where you can also give us a five-star review if you're feeling ultra, ultra generous. Also, we are on Patreon, that is patreon.com forward slash whatifootball, where the European Championship Daily Podcast is also available. And after the Championships, seven days a week content, nostalgic podcasts, contemporary football podcasts and a bit of football manager content as well. So we go all the way back to 1902. Henry Delaunay travels to London to watch an FA Cup final between Southampton and Sheffield United. In the 1910s, Delaunay scrabbles around in the French amateur leagues and doesn't really make much of his career, doesn't become a professional. Meanwhile, in the subsequent decade, in the 1920s, Hugo Meisel, the Austrian Wunder team coach, proposes a European competition every two years. In the 1928 FIFA Congress in Amsterdam, Delaunay is instrumental in passing a World Cup vote, which sees the World Cup coming into being 23 votes to 5. Two years later, that first World Cup is realised, taking place in Uruguay and, of course, won by Uruguay. In 1954, UEFA is finally formed. Eber Schwartz is named the President, Josef Gero the Vice President and Henry Delaunay the General Secretary. Delaunay then publishes... An essay titled, Is it possible to build a football in Europe? Advocating for a European Championships, following in the footsteps of FIFA. 
The following year, Delaunay passes away from a terminal illness, aged 72. His son the following year gives it another go at establishing a football in Europe. Nationalism tensions following the uh, Second World War mean that the proposal is rejected. The fixture list is overcrowded and European football, believe it or not, didn't need any extra commercialisation in 1956, in spite of the newly developed European Cup that year. In 1957, Pierre gives it a rethink. A streamlined qualification, four teams in a tournament in 1960, but it is once again rejected. A second ballot takes place the following year, receives the same slender majority, but President Eber Schwartz pushes ahead with it. 16 teams are needed, but surprisingly, the uptake is very slow. UEFA have to extend registration deadlines, and in the end, powerhouses such as Germany, Italy, England and the home nations, Scotland, Northern Ireland and Wales, as well as Belgium and the Netherlands, refuse to enter. British football reluctant to take part in a new tournament ahead of the British Home Championships, which was prevalent at the time. World Cup winning coach for West Germany, Sepp Herberger, was worried about the physical toll on the West German players. And then finally, 28th of September 1958, Moscow, 100,572 saw the Soviet Union beat Hungary 3-1 in the very first European Championship qualifiers. This is before the preliminary round between the Republic of Ireland and Czechoslovakia. Anatoly Aglin scores the first goal in European Championships after just four minutes. Czechoslovakia joined France, Romania, Austria, Yugoslavia, Portugal and Spain in the final playoffs, play, final playoffs for the tournament. Fans were on side at least. 100,000 in Moscow, 78,000 in Budapest, 62,000 in Madrid. The prevailing team of the time in Europe were France, just Fontaine and Raymond Copa were superb in a 9-4 aggregate win against Austria. Meanwhile, Yugoslavia overturned a deficit in similar fashion against Portugal. Joseph Masupust was brilliant in a 5-0 aggregate scoreline versus Romania. And then there was Spain versus the Soviet Union, the fixture that never happened. Spain's side contained many of the great Real Madrid team at the time that were dominant in Europe, winning the first five European Cups. And now Alfredo Di Stefano was Spanish. They've got Luis Suarez, not that one. And Paco Gento was in the squad. They were amongst the favourites. But then General Franco got cold feet. He was worried about the political consequences of losing to a communist nation. And thus, Soviet Union won in a walkover. Valentin Ivanov got a double versus the Czechoslovakia in the velodrome and the Soviets were in the final of the main tournament. Hosts France or Yugoslavia would join them. And in the first European Championship's proper goal, Milan Galic scored it in a rain-sodden Paris. The attendances were grim to call, compared to qualification through throughout a stormy week in France. Worse yet when uh, Tomislav Nez and Drazan Djurkovic combined to score three in the last 15 minutes, which meant France's 4-2 win became a 5-4 loss. The weather played a part in the final with Boris Kuznetsov fixing different studs into players' boots in scenes akin to the 1954 World Cup final where West Germany overturned the magical Magyar's 2-0 lead. Slava Metrovelli levelled the tie instantly in front of 17,000 in Paris. Meanwhile, Victor Podl... Bondineldic, sorry, any Yugoslavs watching this is a horrific pronunciation. And the likes of Captain Igor Neto and Lev Yashin netted the trophy in the final. 
So we move on to the 1964 tournament. The second European Championships saw the pool increase from 17 to 19 in qualification. The big hitters were in. Germany, the West Germany, still yet to enter the European Championships. Sepp Herberger was dead against it. His successor, Helmut Schoen, though, fought otherwise and West Germany would be back in 1968. Scotland abstained also despite a great squad beating the world champions England a few years later, let's not forget. Whilst England and Wales were out at the first hurdle losing to France and Hungary in the playoffs, Greece meanwhile withdrew and when they were paired with Albania. Albania getting a bye to the last 16 were only thrashed by Denmark 5-0 on aggregate. Northern Ireland survived against Poland, but a Paco Gento goal in Belfast sealed Spain's quarter-final place in effectively what we would now call the playoffs for the main tournament. Ireland, Northern Ireland's neighbours of course, progressed beyond that, beyond Austria, thanks to a late Noel Cantwell penalty in Dublin, whilst defending champion Soviet Union progressed beyond the fancied Italy, Lev Yashin saving penalties left, right and centre in that one. Czechoslovakia were upset by East Germany, who were then in turn beat by Hungary. Meanwhile, France beat Bulgaria and Sweden beat Yugoslavia. Amateurs Luxembourg stunned the world, stunned Europe at least, beating the Netherlands 3-2 on aggregate, despite two legs beating the Netherlands, Amsterdam then Rotterdam. Their hero, Camille Dimmer, was injured for the Denmark legs in the quarter-final, but 3-3 was the score, which meant... A third leg. In the Copenhagen leg, a late Luxembourg equaliser from Adolf Schmidt forced a third leg, with Denmark eventually winning out. Luxembourg wouldn't win another European Championships qualifying match until 1995, some 31 years on. Ireland had a huge playoff, with favoured Spain made worse because of selection issues. Manchester United wouldn't release Noel Cantwell and Tony Dunn because of an FA Cup replay against Sunderland. That meant Spain waltzed to a 5-1 win in Seville and the tie was effectively over. Spain joined Denmark and the holders, Soviet Union, who beat Sweden in the playoff. Raymond Cooper and Just Fontaine, injured for the 1960 tournament as France flopped in the semi-finals, were absent against Hungary too in this semi-final. Florin Albert capitalised, Hungary qualifying by the virtue of a 5-2 aggregate scoreline for the semi-finals. They would meet Spain... Meanwhile, Denmark would meet the holders, Soviet Union. Ponidelnik, Ivanov, Yashin, all heroes of 1960 were back four years on. Denmark, though, was suffering because of the professionalisation. The DBU had an amateurs-only rule, still in effect in 1964, which meant six starters dropped out and made Soviet Union even heavier favourites, and they duly won 3-0. Meanwhile, in Spain, Gento was frozen out, Luis de Sol forced a mission by Juventus, who wouldn't, let, who wouldn't release him for the tournament. Meanwhile, Luis Suarez and Chus Pereira were at the championships. They both combined for the first goal against Hungary, but they'd level late on taking things to extra time. Hungary were famed for their stamina. Instead, they would fall off in extra time. Amancio poking in the winner. Hungary would take third place ahead of amateurs Denmark after extra time, which meant in front of a record European Championships crowd... Spain would meet the Soviet Union in the final and would trade early goals. The battle was between Valerie Voronin and Luis Suarez, and it looked to have been won by the former, but then Marcelino got the winner with six minutes to play, supplied by Chus Pereira. Roger McDonald of World Soccer 
said that the torrent was a marked step down from 1960 and even that wasn't too great. It was Spain's first considerable football championships for 44 years, that being the Antwerp Olympics in 1920. They wouldn't win another for another 44 years, that being, of course, Euro 2008. So now we march on to Euro 1968. Fixture congestion worries went out of the window with 1968 qualification. Qualification groups were finally here, and it was now called the European Football Championship, not the European Nations Cup, as it was once known. Helmut Schoen delivered on his promise. West Germany were entered. They only needed a win in Tirana to qualify from the groups. They beat Albania 6-0 in Dortmund and were heavy, heavy favourites. But they would draw 0-0 in Tirana on a pitch deemed as good as a potato field. It remains the only time that Germany or West Germany failed to qualify for a tournament. The Schmack von Tirana. The shame of Tirana. Yugoslavia progressed to the playoffs instead, joining Italy and Soviet Union, who made easy work of their groups. Meanwhile, Czechoslovakia lost at home to Ireland, progressing Spain through, who would then in turn meet the world champions. The world champions? Well, it was only England, wasn't it? After a draw at Hamden secured their qualification to the playoffs. Bulgaria, Hungary and France also qualified, but were dispatched by Italy, Soviet Union, Yugoslavia in the playoffs. Italy dispatched worries over there. 1966 group stage elimination from the World Cup at the hands of, of course, North Korea by overturning a loss in Sofia with a 2-0 win. Soviet Union did likewise against Hungary, but 2-0 into 3-0 back home whilst uh, Yugoslavia smashed France 6-2. Bobby Charlton won the playoff game at Wembley against the holders Spain whilst qualification was sealed at the Bernabeu. Yugoslavia awaited in the tournament proper semi-final. A Yugoslavia side missing half its team. They had deserted to Western teams, ending their national career. But youthful replacements came in. One of those was 21-year-old winner Dragan Zajic, who ended England's domination, short-lived football domination, with a late winner in the semi-finals. This was notable for Alan Mullery's red card, which was the first in English history and, of course, the first in European Championships history. Italy, on the other hand, didn't win their semi-final against Soviet Union, but progressed anyway. They had nine men, an inferior team, and in sodden Naples conditions, this was the, before the days of subs, before the days of the penalty shootout, so it all came down to a coin toss. Italy prevailed and somehow, way, made their way into the European Championships final to face Yugoslavia. Meanwhile, the Soviet Union finished fourth, losing 2-0 to England, exiting, not scoring a single goal. Gianna Rivera and Sandro Mazzola were missing for the final in Italy in a drawn contest. This time it was no coin toss, but instead a replay. Yugoslavia missed a crucial chance through Muzemic, but Domingeni would level for Italy. Yugoslavia's youngsters were shattered. Mazzola was back for the replay. Italy ran out comfortable winners, 2-0. Leslie Vernon of World Soccer called it goalless, clueless football marathon. And the European Championships had started in inauspicious circumstances in the 1960s. We'll be back after this short break with a 2021 trivial teaser. Welcome back. So yesterday's answer was Ruslan Malinovsky, the Ukrainian genius, still hanging in there in the tournament in 2021. Shout out goes to Sid, Dean, Jake and Spencer for the correct answer there. Today, I am a goalkeeper. 
I've been managed by Andre Villas-Boas and Jose Mourinho. Some of my teammates have been Miralem Pranic, Fabio Grosso, Luka Modric, Andros Townsend and Gareth Bale. I'm a goalkeeper. I've been managed by Andre Villas-Boas, Jose Mourinho, Miralem Pjanic, Fabio Grosso, Luka Modric, Gareth Bale and Andros Townsend. You can find out the answer on tomorrow's show. We will be back with a re-round. rewind, of course, and also... Let me know if you think the answer on at whatif underscore YouTube on Twitter. We'll be back after this short break where we'll be reviewing, taking a look back through nostalgic eyes to the 1970s in European Championship football. Welcome back. So we go to the 1970s and the 1970s and in particular 1972 meant new. It meant colour TV. It meant yellow cards, it meant red cards, and it meant substitutes. Yes, now two substitutes were allowed per game. From the 1970 World Cups, the impressive teams from Europe, at least, were West Germany, who reached the semi-finals, Italy, who reached the final, and, of course, England, who surrendered their World Cup in the quarterfinals to West Germany. West Germany would sail through to the quarterfinal playoffs for the European Championships in 1972, where they would pick off England at Wembley in a 3-1 win. They were now labelled as favourites for this championships with a young Bayern Munich core of Paul Breitner, Uli Hoeneß and Schwarzenbeck called up to the team. This, of course, marks the beginning of the end of England and the beginning of their dark period in the 1970s where they would fail to qualify for a single tournament. More on that one later. L'Equipe called West Germany's display against England, football from the year 2000. And of course, just wait until 2000's clash between Germany and England and we'll see who the real victors are there. (laughs) Germany, like France today, had a reserve of players good enough to make the tournament. They could probably field three or four 11s that could be very, very competitive at the championships in 1972. Meanwhile, World Cup finalists from 1970 and holders of the European Championship from 1968 Italy crashed out thanks to a quarter-final playoff defeat to Belgium. Belgium had held off Portugal, who performed so heroically in 1966, and Scotland, who had failed to qualify for the European Championships thus far, but would have, of course, bigger success in the World Cups of 74 and 78, albeit, of course, still going out in the group stages there. Belgium would be out there, be without their star player Van Meur, his leg broken against the Italians, so seriously hampering their prospects at the championships. Of course, you cannot have a European championship without the Soviet Union, and of course, they were there again after another war of attrition with Spain, a nil-nil in Seville, but they would, of course, still play that tie, unlike in the days of Franco. Netherlands, despite European Cup domination from first, Feyenoord in 1970, and then Ajax, who were in the midst of winning three in a row around this time, they weren't good enough to advance ahead of Yugoslavia whilst Hungary and Romania rounded out the quarter-finalists at France and Czechoslovakia's expense. Two shocks in that one. They met each other, Hungary and Romania, that is, not once, not twice, but thrice. Heroes of 1964, the semi-finalists of Florian Albert and Frank Benet were either out or lacking fitness. Two draws in the quarter-final meant a third leg in Belgrade, settled by a late, late Istvan Sosk winner. Belgrade, where the fourth playoff ended goalless between two Eastern powerhouses. 
The return leg in Moscow drew 90,000 to see inaugural champions from 1960, Soviet Union thrash Yugoslavia 3-0. In between that win in May and the semi-finals in June, Soviet Union demoted Nikolai Guleyev to assistant manager. Meanwhile, Alexander Pon- Ponomarayov, again, my Eastern European pronunciations aren't great on this Friday morning. He was the Olympic coach and he succeeded him. And he won his first game, a 1-0 semi-final win against Hungary, thanks to Anatoly Konkov in front of 1,659 people. This because Germany, West Germany and Belgium kicked off at the same time and it remains the lowest European Championships crowd, even now amongst the Covid times and restricted attendances in 2021. Regardless, the Soviet Union were in their third final in only their fourth European Championships, of course. They had only been four. And who joined them? Well, that was just inevitable, wasn't it? Belgium were pessimistic going into the contest, especially with an injured talisman. Gerd Muller headed in an opener. Sepp Meyer was at his best in goal for the West Germans as well. And then when Gerd Muller prodded in a second, the game was pretty much over, wasn't it? Belgium would pull one back, but it was too late in Antwerp. West Germany sauntered through to the final 2-1 winners. Meanwhile, Belgium would have to play a third-place playoff in Liège, winning it, but it was, of course, scant consolation. West Germany's Bertie Votes was ruled out of the final, but it made very, very little difference for West Germany. They barraged the Soviet Union. They could have had five or six before the half-hour mark. Gerd Muller poached one. Wimmer and Wundmuller adding number two and number three after the break. The Belgian media had high praise for the West Germans in the 1972 championships, comparing them to the Austrian Wunder team of the pre-World Cup years. In West Germany, they were called the Jahundtelf, which means the team of the century by their own journalists in attendance. And of course, West Germany. They'd be back in 1976, comparatively scraping through against Greece, but then sealing qualification fairly handedly against Spain in the playoffs. It was a time of change for West Germany. Gerd Muller had retired. Paul Breitner and Netzo, they were out in the cold for joining Real Madrid and leaving the West German football system. The usual suspects were there or thereabouts. The Czechoslovakia bounced back. They warned off England and Portugal in the groups. Meanwhile, Soviet Union Yugoslavia breezed through. Meanwhile, Poland and Italy tore strips off each other to allow the Netherlands to sneak in through the back door and qualify. Belgium held France in Paris on the final match day to squeak through to the playoffs as well. France, with many Saint-Étienne stars, of course, they made the European Cup final in 1974. And former Ajax coach, of course, Stefan Kovac, another European Cup winner there, they were underachieving. And then there was Wales, a team rebounding from defeat to Austria on the first match day of qualification. They would win the remaining five, including the reverse on the final match day to seal a playoff berth. Would Wales finally add to that World Cup in 1958? Unluckily for Wales, had this performance been four years on, they'd have qualified, but this time they had one more round to go. Yugoslavia standing in front of them and the elite. The Netherlands thrashed the previous semi-finalist Belgium 5-0, despite having George Noble in charge. Noble, who had drastically lost touch with the Ajax dressing room a few years prior. Netherlands joined West Germany in Czechoslovakia. Czechoslovakia trumped the Soviet Union 4-2 on aggregate. 
Soviet Union not at their first Euros, despite Valerian Lobanovsky turning the Soviet Union into more of a club team, moulded him in the, in the image of Dynamo Kiev, the prevailing force in the Soviet Union at the time. And even without the 1968 hero Dragon Zajic, Yugoslavia took Wales apart in Zagreb, winning 2-0 in the other quarter-final. In the return leg, sometimes football even broke out amongst a mass brawl. As Yugoslavia prevailed 3-1 on aggregates, they would be going to the championships once more. The fighting during the contest almost, initially at least, banned Wales from the 1980 championships, although UEFA settled on the behind-closed-doors contest. Meanwhile, Yugoslavia received the 1976 competition as hosts and would play the holders, West Germany, in the semi-finals. Meanwhile, in the other semi-finals, you had the Netherlands, who had thrilled the world in the 1974 World Cup, meeting Czechoslovakia. And on the morning of the game, Netherlands coach George Noble, his resignation was announced. He'd leave after the tournament, an unsuccessful one, just like in 1974 and 1978. This one, though, they wouldn't even make the final. They wouldn't even make the final to be defeated by West Germany as in 1974, some two years prior. Anton Andrus scored at either end in the midst of a scrappy affair to take the game to extra time. Frantisek Vesely turned the game on its head, first providing a breakthrough on 114 minutes and then he rounded the goalkeeper for a third, bringing a great game to a close. Arguably at the time, the European Championship's greatest game ever as Czechoslovakia won 3-2. The Netherlands would take third place in the playoff, the third, fourth place playoff in third of three games that went to extra time at the tournament. Dragan Zajic marked, remarked that Yugoslavia's first half against West Germany in the semi-final was the best Yugoslav display of all time. They'd of course raced into a 2-0 lead, Zajic scoring the second for himself. But then a young FC Köln striker took the game by the scruff of its neck. Equalising with eight minutes to go, Dito Muller got his second and third goals late on in extra time, a hat-trick in a 4-2 win. And I struggle to think of any international debuts in football that have been as good as that. In a champion European Championship semi-final to grab a game by a scruff of its neck, score a hat-trick as your team steamroll into another final. Yet in the final, West Germany and Czechoslovakia in Yugoslavia, West Germany found themselves two goals down again in no time. Jan Svelik and Karol Dobias scoring for the Czechs there. But then, of course, it was back to Dito Muller, scoring his fourth of the tournament. That meant he was now level in the all-time European Championship goal-scoring stakes alongside compatriot Gerd Muller with his four goals from the 1972 tournament and Dragan Zajic's goals from 1968 and 1976. Czechoslovakia had a chance cleared off the line. They would rue that when Bernd Holzenbein headed in an equaliser late on in the day to save West Germany's skin. Extra time came and went, as in the other three matches, which meant the first ever penalty shootout in European Championships history. The first real penalty shootout, and the only one, of course, that West Germany have ever lost. Uli Hernes blazing over the bar with West Germany's kick, which left midfielder Antonin Penenka with the winning penalty kick, and we all know the story there, don't we? The stakes were simple. If Penenka scored, they would win, miss it, and the penalty shootout would continue to inevitably, probably, a West Germany win. Of course, we all know the delicate penalty, the little chip which had the West German goalkeeper absolutely dumbfounded. Czechoslovakia would win there one and only 
European Championship. Wouldn't come close again, really, until 2004. A great tournament, one of the first, probably the first great European Championships tournament, despite the four-team the four team tournament there, with an absolute immortal signature at the end of it. That was the early days of the European Championships. The first five tournaments, drab early beginnings with low attendance figures and sodden football and sodden weather conditions. But by the end of it, some new age football from West Germany, from Czechoslovakia, from the Netherlands if not a bit brutal at some times. Of course, today is another rest day at the European Championships. No football until tomorrow, so that means on tomorrow's show, we'll be giving you another Euro Rewind. We'll be going to the 1980s. We'll be looking at the eight-team phase. 1980, 1984, 1988, and of course, Euro 1992 to tack onto the end of that as football was being expanded and expanded and expanded. Thank you for your considered continued support. Thank you for listening. Give us a lovely five-star review on wherever you get your podcast platforms, please. I would be very, very grateful. And of course, sign up to the Patreon account, patreon.com forward slash whatifootball for the price of a pint after the championships. That's £3 here in Yorkshire. You can get nostalgic football podcasts, contemporary football podcasts, as well as football manager content, Seven days a week, 50 weeks a year. And until tomorrow, up the three lines. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chabacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply